You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. How can the grace of God change the ending of a story? So Karen was out of town on a girls weekend several years ago and the kids were younger and I decided that we were going to go out to eat somewhere fun. So the children and I went to a place called Happy Sumo. Maybe you've heard of it. It was right, one right here on, um, right down Mount Vernon. It's closed now. It's this open sign still is on the building. It's still lit up, but it's closed. I promise you it's closed. And so it's a very expensive restaurant if you've ever been there, unless you go for lunch, and it's still expensive if you ask me. But I decided I'm going to treat the kids. So we go. And, you know, the, the, the chef comes out, and, you know, and the fire and everything, and it's, the fire's going high up, and your eyebrows are singed when they do that. And it's just a fun time. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the menu, and the kids are a little older than they used to be, so they can't order off the kids' menu. And I'm looking at the price, and I'm thinking, ooh, this is going to be expensive. So that's the thing I'm thinking about the whole time. So I'm not enjoying the meal as much. Right, Dad? You know what I'm talking about. The kids are having a blast. And I'm thinking, you know, Karen's away with the girls for the weekend, and they're staying in the hotel and going out to eat. I'm thinking about the money part. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a little more than I thought. And there happened to be uh, a group of ladies sitting at the other end of our table. You know how they, they seat you around the table with other people. And the whole time they're watching us. And when it came time for the check, no check came, no bill. And I, I motioned for the, the waitress as she came by um, with the little, the little palate teaser. You know what the palate teaser is? That's the sherbet ice cream they bring out to you. Isn't it good? It's really good. And I said, I don't have a check. She says, oh. It's been paid for. Your bill's been taken care of. I was like, really? And I looked across the table, and those ladies had left. And I thought, they must have taken care of our bill. You know how much it was for the three of us to eat? Listen to this. This is crazy. You could feed people for a month in different countries for this price. It was $65 to eat there. Now, some of you are like, that ain't nothing. But to me, that's a lot of money. You get a lot of groceries for that. Well, with the inflation, you might not right now, but... um, (laughs) You can't even get a half a tank of gas for that right now, unless you drive a Prius. Um, right, Jaden? He's on the same tank of gas since uh, August. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm sitting there and th- thinking, wow, they just spent a lot of money if they bought our meal, if that was them. But I'm thinking, I bet they did buy our meal because they're looking at me. They think I'm a single dad with two kids, and they had sympathy on me. But I don't, I'm not one of these that likes handouts like that. And I, I'm, I'm like, there must be something to this. And God said, just trust that grace paid the bill for you. I was like, who's grace? Grace paid the bill for you. God took care of this for you. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. He paid the bill for you and me. So you don't have to go through that excruciating suffering and pain that Jesus went through. He took on all the weight of the world's sin and the horrific death of crucifixion. And what happened to him before he was crucified, folks, it's unbearable. It's incomprehensible for us to even think about it. But that's grace. That's what grace is. So I want us to think about how the grace of God can change the ending of a story. Not just your story, but the story of all those you meet. How many lives could be potentially 
impacted or positively impacted if we chose grace as our first response to the challenges of life. You know, grace, unearned, unmerited love and goodwill, it was Jesus' first response to all those around him, always was grace, unearned, unmerited love and goodwill, even if it looked like tough love sometimes. And it's not like Jesus was surrounded by a crazed fan club all the time. He had plenty of people who wanted to trip him up and challenge him and humiliate him and even kill him. So he understood how difficult this teaching was for us. Our passage today, it was a long passage, but it's packed with some poignant stuff, isn't it? It mentions grace and mercy. What is God's grace and mercy? I got a text message, and I'm just going to say it was from Eric Oliver back there running our PowerPoint, asked me what grace and mercy was. He has no idea that I was in the middle of preparing for this message when he sent me that text. That's a Holy Spirit God wink right there, Eric. And so what is God's grace and mercy? God's grace is his unmerited favor and unconditional love. We read about it in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then we've got God's mercy. God's mercy is not getting what we deserve. His grace and mercy, they go hand in hand. Titus, we don't read from Titus very often, but Titus is a powerful book. Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So now you know the biblical meaning of grace and mercy. You know, people are into boasting nowadays. You heard me say it. People are into boasting, aren't they? They're also into shutting you off if you're not in alignment with them. No mercy, no grace, no agree to disagree, or let's discuss each other's point of view. People don't care to ask for clarification regarding what you mean. You're just wrong and you're closed-minded. Folks, if you preach the literal truth of God's Word, you'll be considered closed-minded. Even shallow. Shallow? What? You'll be considered strange and weird, even, if you teach the literal Word of God. When did that shift happen, folks? How has the world allowed that to be the case. Hmm. Listen to Jesus' words for us today. But you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's radical teaching, folks. Radical. Especially to the first hearers of that word. It's radical today. And there are people who hear this and say, that's impossible. I'm not going to do that. That's not my way. But it's the way of Jesus. Hold on. If someone slaps you upside the cheek, what are you supposed to do? You hit this one. How about this one? Go away. Hit it harder if you'd like. What? I don't know about that, Jesus. I don't think so. Yes, that's what he's saying. Turn the other cheek. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. 
Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Jesus is not calling us to an easy task. He never said it was going to be easy. You know, it's not the skip along faith. I told you, Glenn, it was going to be tough. It's not like that. I'm navigating all these cables in this rug, but I'm doing it. He never said it was going to be like that. He didn't say follow the yellow brick road. He never said that, folks. Jesus isn't offering a simple set of rules, how to get ahead in this world, but he's inviting us into a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no or where to go. I could keep going. I love that song, don't you? I'm glad some of you are still into that a little bit. Where are the kids when they need to be? Little kids would come right up and sing it. And their parents say, they don't watch Disney yet. They know every word by heart. How is that? Interesting, isn't it? He's offering us a whole new world. An invitation to a whole other world. Because our world is all about measuring and counting and weighing and competing and judging and paying back and hating and all the rest. And we see the results of that way of life. That's why the world is in the way it is. Really. Jesus wants to set us free from that way of thinking, that way of living. You know, many people resist following religion because they think it will put too many restraints on their life. I'm glad we're not part of a religion. I'm not either. We are part of a movement, a movement of the Holy Spirit. We're a part of a relationship. Religion is just all the formal things. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And you must say this and you must say that. Up and down, up and down. Hokey pokey, hokey pokey. That's what religion is. We are a part of something bigger than that. And we love traditions. And the Bible is full of traditions. Nothing wrong with that. But we're also more about a relationship with the living, breathing, resurrected Messiah. We don't serve a dead prophet or a statue. He is living and breathing amongst us. And we are his body, the body of Christ. We are the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the nose, the body of Christ. And when we serve him and when we're moving in him, we are the body in motion. You ready? Uh, uh, uh. I want a break, con- break dance contest in 87, 88, and 89. Beatbox contest in 1990. You want to hear it? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep you guessing. You're going, can he really beatbox? You never know. Ask the teenagers last night as I embarrassed them walking by uh, Philip, not Phillips Arena, State Farm Arena. Are they going to change the name again? Because that's like the fourth time in six years. Keeps me confused. But we're in a relationship, folks. But sometimes restrictions could be, might be, a gift to us. Maybe you've had the experience of walking through a mega superstore. Nobody in here ever goes to Costco, do they? I'm convinced that everybody goes to Costco. Have you been in Costco? It's like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? It's a huge place, but you're on top of each other. You know? It's interesting. And so you're in this megastore, and you're unable to choose a brand of soap because you have too many options. I mean, I'm not really into buying a bulk thing of soap with 50 bars of soap in it. It's amazing that we've bought them. I'm like, that's going to last us forever. And I'm not kidding you. In like three months, it's gone. You know what I'm talking about? Paper towels. You think, I'm all this huge bulk of paper towels. It's going to last us forever. 
The next week you're going out and get more paper towels. What is that? Wow, we use them for everything, don't we? But you can't even figure out what soap to buy. Too many decisions. Having too many options can actually short-circuit your capacity for making wise decisions. That's when Jesus comes into the picture. He makes things simple for us. He takes away all of our options. Hate, judgment, retaliation, revenge. Those are no longer options for followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus leaves us with only one choice. Are you ready? One choice. It's love. One choice. So what would this kind of love look like in real life? And how could it change your life story? The first thing we learn from this passage is that Jesus calls us to a courageous love. In May 2021, a sixth grade girl walked into her middle school in Rigby, Idaho. She pulled a handgun out of her backpack and she began shooting into the school hallway. It's every parent's and child's worst nightmare. Math teacher Krista Netting rushed her class to safely, then went out into the hall to help a wounded student. Then when she saw the shooter, in an interview with ABC News, News, Netting said this, I saw the shooter. It was a little girl. And my brain just couldn't grasp that. I just knew when I saw that gun, I had to get the gun. So Netting approached the girl and began talking to her. She slowly removed the gun from the girl's hands. And then she wrapped her arms around the shooter and hugged her tightly until the police came. As Netting said in the interview, I just kept hugging her and loving her and trying to let her know that we're going to get through this together. Krista Netting's courageous love changed the end of that story. She probably stopped the girl from hurting or killing any more students. But she also turned a moment of violence and trauma into an opportunity for radical and courageous love. In doing so, she inspired all those who witnessed her courage and all those who would hear her story. You see, for followers of Jesus, hate, judgment, retaliation, revenge... All of those options are completely off the table. Instead, Jesus calls us to respond to our enemies with a courageous love, with a reckless type of love. The second thing we learn from this passage is that Jesus calls us to a generous love. He does. Generosity in a human being is a beautiful thing to see, isn't it? Sometimes it's contagious. You know who Phil Robertson is? The star of the reality TV show, Duck Dynasty. There he is. Would you all like me to grow my beard out like that? <laughs> Believe it or not, it would look kind of like that. My beard, I grew it out for a play one time. It was totally gray. I was like, oh, I'm getting rid of that. Just couldn't have it. So, uh, but anyway, um, he says, Phil Robertson said that he once had a problem with people stealing fish from the nets he had placed along the river. At first, he patrolled the river in an attempt to stop them. But then he read this passage in Romans 12 that says to give your enemy food and drink and to overcome evil with good. 
And so Robertson decided he would no longer protect his fish nets. Instead, the next time he caught someone trying to steal his fish, he pulled up the net and poured the fish into the man's boat. Can you imagine witnessing that, kind of like what we saw in the clip last week when Jesus filled that boat up with fish, that miraculous story that we saw fleshed out? That was powerful, wasn't it? That's what Robertson was doing, just putting fish in this guy's boat. And then he told the man to invite his family over for a fish fry. And he told the man that he would gladly give him more fish whenever he needed it. After a few more times of giving away fish to the would-be thieves, Robertson discovered something. He was losing fewer and fewer fish. The more he offered to give away free fish, the less anyone wanted to steal from him. Isn't that something? Now, when we lived in northwest Georgia, my son FJ and I, we didn't go fishing. We went catching. And we wore them out. We didn't use dynamite and we didn't use nets. We just used, it's called the wacky worm. I gave away our secret. It's a four-inch worm that you fish wacky style. The little ring in the middle, you don't put a weight on it. And if the bass are there, you're going to wear them out. They're going to come up from and say, mercy. I'm like, I know a sermon about grace and mercy. You wonder who I preach to when I'm not preaching to you. And so we, we catch a mess of fish. And we decided, we're going to keep these. We're going to cook them. And my mom and dad were in town. And so we had, we had a fish fry. And we, we, we fried up enough fish to probably feed 30 or 40 people. And hush puppies and french fries. And now you're not going to hear anything else I'm going to say in this message. And so that's my dad. And that's us frying fish, having a good old time. And it just so happened that that particular month, and uh, this was early May, which is when the, the crappy are biting. Now, if, depending on where you're from, you might say cropper, cropper. If you're from the woods of South Carolina, you say crappy, okay? Tomato, tomato, whatever. And we had just had six people in one month die in the church and community. I did all six funerals. So we had some people that were having a hard time. And so SJ had the idea, Dad, we got all these fish and hush puppies and french fries and coleslaw. Let's go take it to some of the people that are going through loss. And so what did we do? My dad and mom and Karen helped. We wrapped stuff in aluminum foil. We, we packaged up the fish. And we delivered hot fish and hush puppies and french fries. Then we had onion rings, too, and coleslaw to six different households. And, man, they came to the door, you know, still grieving and still sad. But it's something what some fried fish and hush puppies and french fries will do for you in a given moment. Folks, I know that might seem elementary and kind of foolish to even tell that story, but that's love. That's grace. You know how you feel when somebody shows up to your home and they bring something to eat, or somebody sends you a card on your birthday, or recognizes your anniversary. That's love. We need more of that, folks, in our world today. And I know a lot of you are into just doing it this way. But people are desperately seeking relationship, not religion. They want to be in connection with others. They want to see you face-to-face. -face. Even if you need to have your mask on, they still want to see your eyes. You can read people. You've become professionals now by reading people's eyes, haven't you? You know, when you're working in the hospital and all you see is people from up here to here, I can tell from their eyes if they're exhausted, tired out, stressed, sad, depressed, 
even in pain, you can tell. You can see the ridges in their forehead that they're just, their head's pounding from all the pressure. You can see it in the body language. You can see them turn the head every now and then this, <gasps> put it back on. We need to encourage. We need to lift up. We need to do things that help people be rejuvenated and restored and refreshed. We need to be generous. You might think these lunches that we're making is getting mundane and we're continuing to do it over and over and over. And then you get a phone call like I did from the dietitian director at Hope House. Many of you have met Larry. We gave him a shirt. He was on the, um, the group me yesterday with a photo. And I got a call. And she said, I just want to call you and tell you thank you for providing the lunches every single Saturday. She said, we have over 100 folks that we need to feed. And she says, on the weekends, it's just me feeding them. And to get these lunches enough to feed them at least two meals. And she said, and the artwork and stuff you put on the bags, she said, the children, they love it. And when you put notes in the bag with scripture, she said, I can't tell you how much that means. Folks, that's just one testimony. I've showed you the pictures before of the Lunch Brigade. We don't plan on stopping that ministry anytime soon. So please continue to be generous with making those lunches. And if you've dropped off and you're not making them because you feel excited somebody else is going to do it, please continue the process. It is making a difference. But generosity is risky, isn't it? There's no guarantee you're going you're gonna to get any results from giving, any benefits to you. But Jesus didn't give to get anything in return. Did you notice that? There's one thing that God does ask of you, though. He asks for you to commit your entire being, your entire heart to his son, Jesus. That's what he does ask. And Jesus commands you to love. If you'll do those things, Lord, I mean, people, you will be fine. You'll be fine. He gave because his love for us compelled him to do so. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. Hate divides, generosity unifies. Hate creates division, generosity creates community. Hate oppresses, generosity overcomes. Jesus calls us to a courageous love. Jesus calls us to a generous love. And the final thing that we learn from this passage is that Jesus calls us to an unconditional love. A love without any boundaries. A love without any barriers. I learned something interesting recently. Did you know that the fictional Klingon language from Star Trek has no words for love? I can't believe that. I've been watching it all these years. Of course, the Klingons were creatures of pure logic, no emotion. So the closest words for love in their language were honor or unhate. That would be easy for us if we could just define love simply as unhating others. Can you unhate others? Is that possible for you to do that? Do we maybe need to become Klingons for just a second? I'm wondering if we do. Um, now, Spock was not a Klingon, but this is the best I got. So I figured I'd just go ahead and preach the rest of the message today as Spock. Why not? Yeah. If I can get this shirt on, it's a, it's a medium. 
I got it for a dollar. Yeah, I can't even do that anymore. I used to could. I jammed his thumb and his finger, and it's bad. All right. Now you're not going to pay attention to anything I say. You're just looking at this. This is one of those shirts, guys. you got to hold it in because if you don't, it's going to be like, boing, 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 you know what I mean? And you, get, you know what I'm talking about. Those T-shirts you buy on Instagram, they don't work. I bought them. They don't work. They don't hold anything in. Okay, not for long at least. Cuts off circulation. You can't go to the bathroom. So, so unhating others. This is what they say. Can you unhate? Mm. God doesn't let us define love. God doesn't even let us decide who is worthy of our love. Listen to Jesus' words from our Bible today. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without accepting, expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. This thing's too tight and I'm taking it off. <laughs> Remember that song? Come on in, baby, take your clothes off. No, it's come on in, baby, take your coat off. Gosh, I always get it wrong. Ugh. Anyway, it's the ADD kicking in. Come on in, baby, take your coat off. Come on in. So be merciful just as your God is merciful. Hmm. That's the standard of love that defines a follower of Jesus Christ. It's unconditional love that inspired Jesus to offer his life as a sacrifice for all of us, even when we didn't deserve it. As Romans 5, 8 reads, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the only option we have, if we're followers of Jesus, is to love others, all others, with the same unconditional, sacrificial love. But you know, we look through humanity, the history of humanity, and you see a story of hatred and violence and suffering and injustice. We see it all over again in 2022. We see it with this war that's happening. It didn't begin that way. And it doesn't have to end that way. In Jesus, God invited us into a whole new world. The kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is present every time someone says yes to Jesus. Every time someone serves the needs of others. Every time you're generous. 
every time you place your arm around someone who may be sitting by themselves and feeling alone, ostracized, not included, every time you speak encouragement, that you speak life, not death over someone, people are speaking so much death on social media. Let's speak life. The kingdom of God is present. When you're healed, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally, the kingdom is present in all of its glory, in all of its fullness. Don't you remember Jesus said, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand. Wherever Jesus is, the kingdom is there also. I know you're all waiting for this future coming kingdom, and that's fine and dandy. But his kingdom is right here, right now, because his Holy Spirit has never left us. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he has already set us free. We can live in that when we accept it and we claim it and we realize it. That's the whole new world that Jesus came to bring. How do we create that kingdom here on earth? By following Jesus' example and living with courageous love, a generous love, and an unconditional love. In this way, we can change the ending to the story by the grace of God. So let me ask you the first thing that I ask you. How can the grace of God change the ending to your story? Contemplate that. Just as you sit there by yourself, you don't have to converse with anybody else. It's just you contemplating that with the Lord. How can the grace of God change the ending of your story? Now let me ask you this. How has His grace already changed your story? What has He brought you through? Where would you be with, without Him? I can promise you this. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be watching today. You wouldn't be out under that tent today. You see, as we lean more into Him and we step more into His grace and mercy, we become, we become more like Him. Don't you want to be more like Jesus and less like this? <laughs> less like me? I don't want to be me. I want to be more like Him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The world has nothing for you but disappointment. You'll never be able to please the world. But you have already pleased your father just by being his son or his daughter. And do you want to really connect and become that new creation that Paul is talking about? He says, we are new creatures, new creations in Christ. That old you, me, is gone. That old you that's paralyzed you and kept you from being able to, to move forward and live the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10, 10, he wants you to get out of that. He wants you to bring you into this living, breathing relationship. And he wants you to take that relationship and that love and that mercy that we've just learned about and share it with everyone that you meet. I want you to speak life and not death. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray this morning 
that if there's anything that we're doing, any way that we're living, that's not of you, that we would fail. That's a radical teaching too, Lord. We want to succeed only in the things that are of you, for you, because of you, that lead us to you. May there be less like me and more like you. May my heart, my mind, my spirit, and my soul reflect you and your glory. Not my glory, not anybody else's glory, but only reflect you. Lord, today, I recommit my life to following you. If you want to do this and you want to proclaim this today, folks, here's the prayer. Pray it with me. Let's pray it out loud. Let's not pray it to ourselves. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I want to be more like you. Forgive me when I take my eyes off of you. Set me free to be who you created me to be. To be more like you and less like me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.